Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tattoos with Intention podcast. I'm your host, Mark Nara. If you haven't heard from me yet or know who I am, I've been tattooing for 15 years. I'm in uh, New South Wales in Australia. I've got quite a unique perspective on the impact of tattoos, which shapes my practice in a very different way. I'm no longer working in, in studios, so to speak. Not that I never won again, but like currently not. And throughout my journey, I have been in bustling street shops, private custom studios. I worked across various countries, encountering different cultures and learning things. And I've had a, a handful of extremely diverse, but really good teachers. That's helped me develop a lens where I can deeply understand a lot of the technical layers of tattooing, as well as the psychological and metaphysical layers that encompass the art form and beyond the art itself, the, the form of tattooing or the process of tattooing and what lies there. With that being said, I also acknowledge that in the scheme of things with how long tattooing has been around and people have participated, my 15 years isn't the be all and end all. So that's why I continue to remain curious and open and really dig into what's happening within the craft of tattooing for different people. So I'm here to share the insights and experiences from my journey and also to have conversations with fellow artists, friends, specialists, hopefully inspiring others to find their own path in the world of tattooing. And in this episode, uh, I'm going to introduce you guys to a friend, Hayden Wolf. He's also a tattoo artist who approaches tattooing intentionally. He focuses on a holistic practice. We met about 10 years ago in Noosa when I was traveling around and, and doing some work. I think I was guesting at Sam Clark's studio then. And yeah, Hayden turned up to get his first tattoo from me. I think he'd had one other one before. And at that time, he was just entertaining the idea of becoming a tattoo artist. So we had some conversations around that. And from that point, he went on and did that. So he successfully carved his way into the tattoo industry. And I'm very proud of him and the things that he's currently doing. So yeah, we have a conversation and some of the key points are around setting boundaries, clear communication with your clients the need for more awareness and research regarding tattoo ink ingredients, their potential effects on the body. We talk a little bit about martial arts and the crossover between the mental discipline, the personal growth, and the positive impacts of a correlating practice to your tattoo practice. We also look at some of the financial aspects of tattooing. And basically, their yeah, relationships is the main thing, like how to build a ecological relationship with your client by understanding their needs, their values in order to create something that's mutually beneficial. So it's a really good chat. It's pretty gentle, pretty chill compared to last week's episode. I'm sure everyone will enjoy it and learn lots. And if you want to connect with Hayden, see his work or read any more of his insights, you can visit his Instagram. I'll link that below. And if you haven't yet, head over to the Facebook group, the Tattoos with Intention podcast facebook group we're already having some good discussions in there and i'll catch you after the episode so i'm having to let go of my attachment to when yeah. it's going to be completed and when the next stage is and when i guess it resonated i just been navigating the symbology of the skull and it's changed i feel i want to be more practiced in anchoring into the intention of my tattoo and i feel like maybe i've just i've lost connection almost with that process on that sleeve because of my health stuff 
as yep. well. That's obviously a player as well. Yep. And it's just put everything else on the back burner. This is good stuff to be hearing. Hey, mm. because it's like the capacity to be able to reframe and reconnect with your tattoos as you change, regardless of intention or lack of intention or whatever it is, is really important. And it's one of the things that I'm like identifying as being in what I'd say is the last stage of how you relate to your tattoo and it actually becoming more one tattoo, one process, less attachment to what it is and it more being about actually marking who you are and understanding that's a process. It's like in the early stages, we think we know who we are a lot. And so a lot of the tattoos end up being these identifiers or markers of this is who I am now. And then oh, this is who I am now. And as you go through, you go, oh, they're all, I thought I was all these things. And I'm only like 30% of the way through this journey. It starts to become a little bit more like, I, I hope I know who I am by the end of this process. Like one comment, 100%. Well, like I hope my tattoos represent me in my fullest. I hope yeah. all of my tattoos represent me as a person at, in 10 years, 20 years. But yeah, you're right. It's, I feel like I'm changing and I'm having to renegotiate my relationship with my tattoos. I'm growing as I'm healing, as I'm, I guess, stepping into more purpose and more connection and stepping into life, like opening to life more. And so the skull's the perfect motif for this stage. It is. And it's taken me on this little journey. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to be able to empathize with you, bro, on the stagnation mm. in the process, I can remember I got my first sleeve done by Josh. It took about five years and I was apprenticing and hardly ever had the money. And he looked after me and it was like, it just was, it was just a long haul and a struggle to get it done because of life. Second sleeve, I was like, okay, time for my second sleeve. I'm tattooing now. I've got some money. I'm going to save. I'm going to get it done just back to back sessions and do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so I booked in every single session mm -hmm. and I went in mm -hmm. for the very first mm -hmm. session and Josh outlined my whole arm. And then the next day, the studio got firebombed and Josh closed the studio down and moved up the coast to Lennox Head. I was booked out. Like I couldn't leave Sydney without rearranging everyone. And then so life unfolded and it was like that the next sleeve took five years. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it taught me a lot about tattoos being balanced. So I've seen that play out a lot now where it's someone's trying to balance something and they might have three different artists have done the, the opposite sleeve. And then the sleeve I'm doing, even though it's just one person, there's like this, even across time and like the method of it being constructed, they end up mirroring each other. Because if your intention is to create harmony and balance, then like literally the imprint, and it's more than just like what it looks like, has to be balanced, evenly weighted proportionate. So it ends up playing out in this, this interesting way like that. And then also, you know, like my legs, I'm going over to New Zealand next month to get a couple of days in my legs, but it's been three years. The last session was like, I got off the plane and COVID hit and you're just like, oh man, I wanted to have my legs done by now. And so there is this like having to really sit in the seat of the tattoo process and actualize, actualize and go like this 
isn't about getting my tattoo finished or the art. I'm in the seat now. This is like what I drive people through all the time. I'm driving people on this journey all the time. I'm usually driving the bus. I've got to understand I'm on the bus too. And being on the bus and the takeaways that you get from it, the things you see, being the passenger and looking out the window and understanding all of these complexities that just do not get spoken about, let alone notice. They hardly get noticed in the normal tattoo industry. Are very real. And it goes all the way back to intention. It's like you want to be intentional and you want to align your tattoo process with the development of yourself and a connection to yourself as something that's good and real and know yourself and be who you're meant to be in this world and all of those things and have purpose. And it's, of course, it's going to be like this. Like hopefully by the time you and me are like mature men, 40s, 50s type of thing, by then I'd hope we have a solid seating in who we are. But of course, it's going to be like a lot to get there, probably more than you can gauge in initially. You don't start it thinking it's going to be as much as it is, but then you're like, of course it is. Yeah, you can't see the whole journey from any point really of life. Right? And there's a lot of surrender, surrender in life, but also surrender in receiving a tattoo as well. And I'd seen four years or broken up, obviously, in multiple different places. And I think my right sleeve is tracking the same. Yeah. And I guess my expectations are what I'm having to manage of myself and expectation of my body at the moment. I'm navigating gut stuff that's playing a part. So it's, it's interesting. I'm also reflecting on the time and what I was navigating in certain parts of my life and when I received tattoos and what I received and I am literally looking forward to just being with this whole healing journey of my gut and my body and all these things that I'm navigating at the moment and then stepping into receiving a tattoo. So I'm, I'm not rushing either, you know, even though I'm looking at it, I'm going, oh, like I can see the next pieces and it's, you know, wanting to find that balance and that continuity in my body of the flow of my tattoos, but I'm also, I'm not rushing and see the priority for me is to have my body in a really good place, have my spirit and my mind and, you know, really good alignment. And I feel like there'll be more surrender to the process. And so you also looking at things holistically, I see my body is clearing the toxins out of my body in a way. I'm talking about food. I'm talking about stress and just life and being, finding that place. And I try to promote that in a way I work with as well, because I'm realizing that on my tattoo journey as well, for black, it's more, let's say rewarding or like in alignment when when we're doing the work outside of our tattoos as well and coming back to the process. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's like you're drawing the correlation. You're drawing the correlation between your tattoo and your life and that they're not separate. It's not like I'm from some old culture that under, like had a better understanding of tattoos, but from the understanding I'm getting from my own relationship with my tattoos. And from people I'm tattooing that, that are doing work like yourself, it gives me such a good 
snapshot. If I look back and go, that, that's why tattooing was so integral and built into stages of, of life. Yeah. And it, and it's, and life was simpler. So life was simpler. Like you and me are saying, we can't, you can't see what's on the journey. You can't project it. Right. That's only because we're in a maze. Life is a maze at the moment. It wasn't a maze. There was real simple paths before. There wasn't like these bloody super highways that we're on now that connect X, Y, and Z that never have been connected before. So we're actually in a very different stage with it. Much more simpler. Yeah. Yeah. There was a path that was clear. You could see it. You could see it. Whereas, whereas we're in a stage where it's, yeah, we're quite blind in it, but the same things are happening and all of these layers are connected, whether we're talking about parasites and health or entities and mental health or ego and false identities and tattoos, you know, and the influence of what you consume, whether it's food into your stomach or rubbish through a screen, all of these things are informing the process of who you are. And if you use your tattoos in that way, it allows you to track it. Yeah. And I love that holistic way of approaching tattooing. Yeah. And that's the language you're running with. Hey, I, I noticed on your mm. Instagram, it looks really beautiful, man. I can see you've put some attention into laying it out so people can access all these little bits of information that you've discovered on your own tattoo path and what you've worked out from tattooing people. And so you've framed it up as holistic tattooing, ceremonial tattooing, and you've got all these little squares that aren't just tattoos, which is great. It's like you're actually putting information out for people in their process. You only just did that recently, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I probably started that maybe two months ago, but I guess like it came a reflection of myself and how. I was approaching social media and how I was framing it. And I have done most of the social media myself in the past. And I really missed just spending more time learning. And then the question I asked myself is like, how can I be of service to another tattoo artist that's just beginning? Because like a lot of other artists where I started and where I did my apprenticeship, I didn't necessarily receive much guidance at all. And there was gaps in a lot of what I was being taught or what I had access to before I started tattooing. Yeah. Um, as an apprentice. So the question was, how can I be of service? And so it was more like now I'm trying to frame Instagram up to be more of like a tool of how can I transmit this knowledge and what I've learned and just even if it helps people a little bit, then I think that feels good for me and sort of where I'm at. So let's just do a bit of that. Let's go into how long you've been tattooing, how we know each other, you know, your time in Alice yeah. Springs. I'm about probably seven and a half years into tattooing and yeah, and it's funny actually the way that we met. So I'd been in Central Australia for about two years. I came from Brisbane before that, and then I was working out in communities, indigenous communities. And then after that, I ended up on the Sunshine Coast. I was staying at my sister's place, and that's actually how I got your card, I think it was, or your contact. And since I was 20, I wanted to become a tattoo artist, basically. I wasn't heavily tattooed, but I was very drawn 
to the process and to the depth of tattooing. And I put that on the back for many years and I was like, I think I was 27 when I met you. And so I had this belief that I couldn't do that. I couldn't be an artist and make things work financially and all these different stories I played out. But at that point in my life where I actually found you, I decided wholly like in my heart that I wanted to be a tattoo artist. And I wasn't drawn to traditional shop tattooing. Yeah. I wasn't drawn to flash tattoos. For me, creating patterns and creating artwork was like, it was almost like a meditation, a form of meditation. And I would just surrender to that. And so I basically started my portfolio around the same time that we met actually. Mm. Yeah. And I think you were the second person to tattoo me. And so at that stage, I was creating my portfolio. Just drawing every day, it was a very inward time for me. I was very clear on what I wanted to do. And then I met you and I received a tattoo from you in, in Toronto. And then meeting you gave me another career, I think early on, which was very, very important for me as to what the potential is of tattooing and yeah, there's other ways to approach tattooing outside of a shop, outside of that bam, flat artwork, tattooing lifestyle. And I received a tattoo from you and we really clicked because I'd spent time in Central Australia. I'd, I'd been on that journey of re-educating myself around culture. I guess it was an unlearning of what I'd been taught in school, especially around this country, this land, like what the truth is. And so I'd also been on a journey of starting to drop alcohol and drugs and look at what I'm eating. And so it was a beginning of a healing journey. And I then actually was applying for apprenticeships and got an apprenticeship back in Alice Springs. Yeah, yeah. Just in, a, in the main studio there, a lot of other places on the East Coast, because it was like predominantly bikey run shops and stuff like that. They would just, they'd look at my portfolio, they'd go, yeah, like, this is great. We haven't got space for you. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you need to get, tat- you need to get your whole body or half your body tattooed by us and then we'll think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't really know much about tattoo culture. I just, I knew that I wanted to approach tattooing in a more intentional way that was more about what the client wanted and for it to be more of a collaboration. And so I was finding it pretty clunky to even look for an apprenticeship. Yeah. And getting that apprenticeship in Alice, man, I was stoked. I jumped out and civil construction at that point, which is what I was doing. And I went into a studio, I went into a shop and I was basically on money at that point. It was just drawing every day, sharing my designs on Facebook and on Instagram and just trying to create a body of work, but with very limited guidance, there wasn't the structure of my mentor saying, here's some stages. 
to walk through. And yeah. I think having our friendship really helped me because I was able to contact you and ask questions and actually started going to tattoo conventions because I just felt such a void in what I was learning and I was looking online and I couldn't really find that same level of teaching or mentoring. So I started going to conventions and asking questions and learning and it really helped me start to grab techniques. But because it was a walk-in studio, at the same time that I was navigating, you know, learning the techniques of how to tattoo, learning how to navigate relating to clients and creating a flow for them that feels good in receiving a tattoo. So there's all these little stages which weren't really linear that were happening. And then you've got the wild card of it being a walk-in shop that can be tattooing and then some drunk dude walks in and starts you know, shouting shit across the room. Yeah. That's a world. That's a world that I feel is shrinking. And so a lot of people coming into tattooing currently don't have to experience it. I, th I think about mm -hmm. the, the environment, the work environment that I've been in, in the early years. And I, that I know you've been in, I remember you reaching out to me and saying like, man, how do you deal with people that are like doing ice and standing over you? And I've had the same thing. I've had people come in to the shop with weapons and like, it's hectic, you know? And these days, some of the problems that people starting out have are like, they're just a totally different thing. Yeah. It wasn't an open dialogue. There was still a lot of that tattoo businesses being used to clean money and that energy was trickling down into tattooing as well, which is something that started motivating me. It's pushing me to look for another option. It started inspiring me to think, what will this look like if I'm not in the studio? Like, yeah, how can I navigate that? Creating that container for my clients became priority for me. You're making me think of something that I'd like to hear your thought on it. So we've come out of this position where the environment was far from optimal to even just do a good tattoo without any influence that's negative. And the garden bed, so to speak, that provided what I needed initially and what you've needed. And I'm sure a bunch of others did to do something different. I'm going like, we're not okay with this. Let's do something different. And there's other layers to it too, but it's tattooing's filtered now and it's, it's quite accepted and every day and there's tattoo studios in shopping malls and stuff, right? And you can just go get a good tattoo from wherever and not have those layers of negativity. You'd have to go down a back alley and into a biker mm. shop, right? And so for us, the hurdle was being in those toxic environments. On the other hand now, just last week when I was on um, the coast at surface and I was looking at some of the tattoo shops there and the mm. position those artists were in and trying to put myself in their shoes and going like, okay, cool. If I was starting out now and I was in those spaces, what would the obstacles be? What would be hard? Cause it's a different time now, different world. And it's almost the opposite. It's not challenging. It's almost like empty and void and boring. There's studios where they're happy to just mm. like, you got a okay portfolio. Here's the pen. We'll, we'll just chuck another bay mm -hmm. in. There's heaps of money. We're just like business owners. They're yeah. happy to just go like, yep, you're an artist, mate. Here you go. Pump your Instagram. 
And so it's given to you and you just, where's mm. the fuel for that generation to do something more, you know? What are your thoughts? I think you know, the environment and the terrain has definitely changed. And I'm definitely seeing just a lot more variety of shops now. Tattoo artists starting out, they're sport for choice. They do have a lot of options, but I, I think overall, I think it's a positive thing. Agreed. It's a different, different, but not bad. Yeah. I think it's a positive thing. I guess I can just relate it to my experiences. Even though I was in a bunch of uncomfortable situations in the walk-in studio and there was things outside of my control and whatever, there were still some great learnings. There were still some, you know, like the saying, diamonds are forged under pressure. And I can think of days when I was doing like four or five tattoos in a day. and. I grew as an artist exponentially in those periods where I was under pressure and I was being stretched beyond my limit and that forced me to grow. And I think that is definitely important. This almost brings up in your first podcast a long ago, you talking about challenge and I think challenging people is important and challenging people's intention or what's influencing them and why and what the truth is as opposed to maybe drugs or these other challenges that aren't particularly necessary if that makes sense drugs alcohol being in the space not feeling safe to artists and things like that i think that pressure is not necessary and i assume that a lot less of that's happening and there's more freedom and space for artists to really create and to also be with their client and support their client. I hear you. I look at it and I can see this double-edged situation with it too. I'm glad that the space is just as crazy as they used to be, but then I can also like see the softening. So there's another trap in there where, where the softening of the space that was really hard, just to use that language is good. But then there's the potential of the softness eroding the structural integrity of the process and of the people there as well. It's like something losing value as well in the process. And I'm not saying that is happening everywhere, but I can just see the potentiality for it. And you, you see it across the board. People are just becoming quite soft and comfy just generally with life and meaning can very easily just be put to the wayside having to forge something and put in effort for it to be significant. Yeah. There's a lot more access to resources, a lot more, almost some ruts that, that have been formed and those ruts, like they're sort of easy to slip into and it's easy to maybe become a mediocre artist or become a, an average artist and make a living. I don't know, a lot of amazing artists, this isn't just tattooers, you know, have come from really challenging situations, I think. And so there is a cross-pollination between tattooing and whether we use the word trauma or whether we use the word challenge or we use the word like aspiration for change or growth, there is like a 
cross-pollination and some spaces of tattooing, especially in shops, can be a bit too sterile, too washed, too, you know, you walk in and it's just like disinfected and that's all you're smelling. And it's a culture, but it's in ways can become a closed loop. Um, and that obviously Instagram feeds into that as well and all these sort of online platforms. Yeah. For anyone that's listening that is in earlier stages of tattooing, right? Because we're talking a lot to to that, what the environments are like now and that sort of thing. What can you put out that will be useful for them? Like simple things, point form type of things that are like do's and don'ts, anything that you'd think be, would be valuable in terms of managing clients, managing shop environments, especially if you want to be intentional or, or like working with a little bit more awareness and not just doing the art thing, not being the hairdresser, tattooist. Yeah, for sure. Um, good question. I think that really changed what's helped me on my journey as an artist, even just as a man, is just learning about boundaries, learning my own boundaries and learning communication skills, broadening those skills. And that essentially trickled out into my tattooing really quickly and empowered me to do what was right for my client when I was in these spaces that other people were treating me in questionable ways. You know, certain clients were coming through the door and they weren't either treating me or other people in alignment, I would say, with my values. So I would say learning those boundaries, getting clear on your yeses and your noes and feeling empowered, getting yourself to a point where you're feeling empowered to set that standard yeah. of what you'll tattoo and what you won't tattoo. I can say for sure, speaking to any people starting out or any apprentices, just holding back on tattooing hands, holding back on tattooing faces until you're a seasoned tattoo artist. And I say that speaking to myself as well, like as an apprentice, I tattooed some hands, I tattooed some fingers. And I think just creating standards for yourself and knowing your standards and working to those standards, I think is important. That's really good, man. Super helpful. And it's funny because before I asked you, I also had, I had a chat with Daniel the other day. And he was like, I don't know if some of the stuff mm -hmm. you put up recently has been very useful to new tattooers necessarily, like good conversations, but I don't know how useful it is. And so that's what made me start thinking mm -hmm. about the positions that they're in. And some of the things that I put down were similar boundaries, what your do's and don'ts are. And this is, it, it's not an easy one to develop because it's got to happen in conjunction with doing tattoos on people and going, okay, that didn't feel comfortable or I'm not ready for that. And so I can put that one down or like even boundaries with, if you're in a shop space, other artists and, and the managers and stuff and being like, this is how much I can do. And this is how quick I, and you know, and like relieving those pressures through just being really mindful when you're there of what you're doing, not getting caught up in say the shop's energy or the client's energy and knowing that you got to set the dial. And when you're in the early days and it's an unknown for you. It's going to be a process to work that out. Like our early years is where we develop our do's and don'ts from. So maybe that's something that we can put some recommended do's and don'ts together. Like you said, even just like don't tattoo hands and necks. That's great. I'd add to that as well. Mm -hmm. 
don't get your face, neck and hands tattooed until you're a seasoned tattoo artist. That seems to be a slippery slope, you know, access to other artists and doing trades and getting covered really quickly to loop back to our conversations at the start around the tattoo being like a really long journey with different stages in how you relate to it and yourself. Those early tattoos can be, they can be quite misaligned as you progress. Hey, Yeah, we can outgrow them quite quickly, especially if we're getting a lot of tattoos in succession and we're not actually processing, letting them heal, giving them space afterwards to settle. And I know that can become a culture in the tattoo space in the shop space and you learn this as you go as well, but the fundamentals of say like a daily practice, having a morning practice where you're really caring for your body, whether that be some sort of physical culture, like stretching, yoga, qigong, you know, maybe you go for a run or you train, but it's really creating a balance in your life so you can, you can tattoo longer you can tattoo more long term and i think that's one of the big messages that i'd like to broadcast is look after yourself look after your health just become aware of like your posture when you're tattooing like how you're sitting how you're holding yourself how are you breathing because all of these feed into the vitality of what you're creating in your tattoos how much creative juice you have that impacts your client's experience. That's something that came through for me, but it, it took years for me to learn that. There's yeah. lots of, you know, waking up with crook back and neck and drinking four cups of coffee man, during the day, burning my adrenals out. I think hearing and having these conversations and these dialogues, I think is really valuable, especially for young artists that are just stepping into a studio or a show. Yeah. And they don't know what to expect. Yeah. I think you're a good voice for that. The things that I have seen you put up and when I hear you talking to other artists and your clients and stuff, the, the health side and the self-care and self-preservation is majorly overlooked. Mm. And I think you're doing a really good mm -hmm. job of digging into that one. So well done. Thanks bro. Makes me think about the ink thing too. So the, the tattoo ink, you, you put that one on my radar in terms of what's in them. You sent me that paper that was studying like formaldehyde that was leaking mm -hmm. from ink with all the different brands and types and the amounts. And I had a good look at that and was like, I told you, I went and got a whole new set of inks. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to try this sort of stuff. And then I had another client come in a couple of days later, same story saying, oh, you use dynamic ink. It's got acrylic polymer in it, mm. showed me the SDS sheet. Basically there's like nanoplastics in there. Had a chuckle, of course, mm -hmm. that's why the black stays in so well and et cetera. So I'm using something different now. And I know you've been digging into it a, yep. a more as well. I have as well, but I'm keen to see if you've come across anything else and what your message is around the ink stuff at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting exploration for sure. And actually Burns came across that study after tattooing a client and a friend of mine and maybe a year ago I tattooed him and he's been doing a lot of research into 
standard of, yeah, it's chemical standards in all sorts of products. And so he came across that particular study to do with inks. And it was pretty eye-opening for me to see that. I was a, a little bit shocked, to be honest. And it really exposed the big sort of void, a big gap that I'd overlooked for whatever my own reasons are. And so I guess the biggest thing that I've found out is it's very unregulated, the tattoo ink industry. So that's becoming more and more clear to me that it's just, it's not very regulated. There's very sparse testing that's done. And so a couple of artists have messaged me about this and we've spoken about it, but getting a set of tests done for Australian inks and collaborating, say, with a group of artists and actually funding that study to get done and getting all the labs done on, on the inks that we're all currently using. So that's something that's come up at the moment. Mm-hmm. And a few other artists have messaged me about that. And what's also revealed itself for me is like all the traditional cultures that were making inks were making ink out of the plants around it, out of the earth around, out of the ground, the bones of the animals. And so our bodies were already familiar with those materials because like we'd been ingesting them, we'd been probably drinking them, eating them, walking on them. And what's coming up for me is a desire to, to dive more into that. What would that look like? What would it look like like to create inks that are much more familiar to our body, much more familiar and much more, I would say, digestible because they don't have to actually write in the bottle what's in there. It's just like that polymer that your client revealed to you. That could even just be a byproduct or the plastic bottom that they put it in as well. And so there's so many different variables that it becomes very hard to even measure and regulate. Yeah, I started digging around too. And I, I, I think the next step on my end is opening up dialogue and putting some pressure there on the <laughs> manufacturers yeah. to give more information because I've got so many question marks now. That's like everyone's using the same carbon. It's the ingredient cast number one, three, 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 eight, six, four. Everyone's using that. I'm like, so what's that? Mm-hmm. I'm in the chemical book online, having a look and it's, it is, it's just charcoal, right? It's soot, but there's different processes to make the soot and you can make it from different products. So if it's a plant-based soot, it's highly likely if they're buying it from a mass produced quantity, they might be getting it from India or from China. And it could just be like vegetable oil that's getting burnt. That could be the carbon. And so if that's the case, maybe we can source something else or do something different. I don't know. And, and yeah. it's just an unknown at the moment. They don't have to reveal themselves. So I'm more just like wanting to, to try and crack open and get some more answers on what actually is being used. And then interestingly, on the second thing that you were saying in terms of making it yourself and it being localized, I did see, I don't know if you've seen this guy on Instagram. I don't know his name, his handle's like Totemic Tattoo. He's in New Zealand and he was making some. He found some resin from one of the trees there and he used coconut oil as the carrier and alcohol, just like vodka as well. And he talked about like 
it was really good at the start. And then it started like the coconut wasn't carrying it once it started to cool down and, you know, but he's been doing it and he does a lot of experimental tattooing anyway. He's, he's cutting and using animal bones and doing all sorts of things. It is possible. And then it's going into, once we have some clarity on what is in the inks, which one's actually going to be better to use. What's that look like? So there's a lot there to do, but I definitely think it's worthwhile. It's a worthwhile investment. Because like you said, there could be skin conditions, right? That could just come from what's being put in there. Yeah. Dermatitis is a big one and different skin conditions on the face and on the body, on the hands, all of these are signs because the, the skin is also your third kidney of your body as well. I've been exploring and trying to understand more. Obviously, certain inks would affect the porousness, I would say, of the skin. So you still want to be able to sweat. You still want to be able to you know, take in vitamin D and all these different functions that that a kidney would do. You know, but isn't this the case with so many, so many of the big health topics or the big personal development topics, they're things where it's like, once you see them, right? Like once you get the spotlight out and you see it in the corner there, you turn the flashlight off for a minute and you got to say to yourself, am I going to do this? Cause it's like, you know, if I can, I just pretend it's not there. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that have done that where it's like, you realize, and you're like, that changes everything. <laughs> do I want to dig into this? That's part of it is okay. Doing it so that there is something to move forward from especially if you can do it collaborative, a collaborative effort, let's unpack it. And what can we do? And like, we'd have to stop. It's not like pull the handbrake, make a change that is better than what you're currently doing and keep moving. That's what I've done. I just stopped with the dynamic and got a different black and mixed up my grays. And I'm doing that one now. It doesn't have the formaldehyde leaking out of it and totally. doesn't have an acrylic polymer. Great. Now I want yeah. to know what the carbon actually mm -hmm. is. Yeah, there's obviously a tipping point where the stress of thinking about it or overthinking it can potentially be worse than the small amount of, say, metal or, or plastics, or it could be circulating in your body trying to exit. We don't really know. I think it's important not to sort of catastrophize, you know, yes. catastrophize about it, but I think just to be really informed and, and grounded in our approach to getting more curious and just pushing the needle a bit more on, on learning about what's in it and which one is right for me. And, and I'm like clients, like checking in with clients from the past. How's your tattoo healing? How's it feeling? If it's raising up on occasions, I think that's a sign that there's something in the ink that's irritating your body. And things like that. Maybe they have had dermatitis or they have a, something on their skin going on afterwards. So just using it as a reminder, I think, to just take that initiative and approach things in a bit more of a holistic way or with more care. Yeah. That's definitely the directions that it's nudged me. And learning about ink has also informed and will be informing the sorts of tattoos I'll be doing in the future. 
there was a point of my career where I was like, bigger is better, like doing bigger areas and more of the body. And now it's been great actually, because it's made me step back and check myself. It's more about the depth of tattoo work that I'm connecting with through, like with my client, the beauty and the transmission of the tattoo design and the intention behind it. And it's not about the size. It's not about the saturate. So it's been a good reflection. Yeah. It makes you think about a lot of the, the technical side of it. When you are doing large scale stuff, and then I've talked to a lot of artists about this, just from a technical level, once you start doing really large scale things, you do start thinking differently about it in terms of how to utilize negative space in a really good way. How much do you actually have to do? Like some people might want to, they, they might really want to get a bodysuit done, right? And some people might not, but like you were saying at the depths that we're trying to engage the process with people and it becoming about what happens in between your tattoos and that being navigational for you in your development through time. It's nice to have a start and a finish point in mind. I ask people all the time, even if it's, we're starting out with a small tattoo somewhere, can you see the other arm getting tattooed? Yes or no? How far ahead can you project with it? and trying to build a bigger framework and then go like, how is that going to be achievable through time? Even if it takes a lifetime to do it, that really does help. And it, yeah, it doesn't have to be a completely saturated body of ink to do that. With some planning, you can break it into some really nice sizable stages that regardless of where you are and who you are and what you're doing, you're probably able to get what we were talking about, a bit of correlation to transformational times and significant events in your life and tell a good story. And create a deeper sort of relationship with that tattoo instead of it being just a goal and just something that you're going to, you know, sort of slam dunk and finish. Yeah. And I love what you said about using open space, like using the skin more. And I think that's what this exploration of ink has also led me to is how can I create more of a balance with open skin, with light shades, without so much saturation of black. I've also bought new inks as well and working with those at the moment and put the dynamic in the cupboard. It's been informative, save that much. It's good to see that people are Thinking about these things, like you having a client come to you and a client came to me as well. And I think that's a really positive thing that we're listening to our clients. You know? You've done a lot of the health investigation around detoxing and, and all that sort of stuff, trying to work out what's been happening for you recently. So on the tattoo mm -hmm. ink and potential side effects, mm -hmm. skin and everything, have you come across anything yep. that would be useful? Detox wise, I do have a bit of information, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Able to find it, find it on my my Instagram. Basically, in a naturopathic approach, making sure your system as is as healthy as possible, and detoxification is when you're peeing, you're pooping, you're perspirating, and you're breathing, and making sure all those pathways are healthy, as healthy as possible, especially if you're getting bigger tattoo work done. They're opening your detox pathways and moving your body and those sorts of things. But specifically, I think focusing on your lymph, 
lymphatic system and your kidneys is important. And I recommend eating lots of fruit during your tattoo sessions. I recommend ginger tea, which I actually drink every day, but I recommend it just generally, even during a session or not. And then whole foods, you know, and things like that. There's a bunch of herbs on my Instagram on one of the posts and they're recommended from a friend who's an alphapath and basically they'll help your kidneys process out any sort of inks or foreign material that's circulating in your body okay. after t- getting tattooed. We've cut a, covered a lot of really good topics here, but the other thing yeah. I got out, I wanted to see where it might go is the martial arts thing. You recently started up a form using a sword. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. So I've started Shinto Musu Ryu. So NCMR, very traditional post-samurai martial art. And it's using the samurai, well, a sword, like a full-length sword and also a joe. I used to do BJJ and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and it can be pretty hard on the body. So yeah, this new journey back into more of a disciplined form of martial arts has been really great for my body. I'm feeling my core strength improving. I'm feeling my posture improving. You know, it is definitely one of the tools in my kit at the moment to bring that balance back into my life. Being a part of a mentor or a teacher student dynamic, I think is really valuable in every part of my life. And this martial art is definitely highlighting that because much like tattooing, every time I go to class, I'm learning something new and I'm being corrected and it's helping me sharpen my focus and sharpen my body and sharpen my coordination. And that trickles out into life, really. I think it was like a master swordsman that said, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And it was like, you know, comparing swordsmanship to calligraphy and how your pattern, your discipline, like you said, the way you approach things trickles through all of the things you do. And we've got this common link of tattooing and and artwork and intentionality. And I've started doing karate as well. It's Jin Ryu Khan. Also stepped down from a samurai lineage. How can we train without having armor on? So they just have padded armor, not metal armor, and it's hand to hand and Again, that teacher and student dynamic, having a sensei, having routine, it's, it just, you become so porous to the valuable aspects in that space. They seep into you and then they're going to spill over and transfer into everything else you're doing, right? That's another good thing for people that maybe don't have any other practices outside of their tattooing. If you want to be intentional integral, have honor, be really sharp, be aware of being humble, be aware of dangers, all of these things that I think overlay tattooing really well. It could be another place to put a little bit of energy to balance what it is you're doing instead of the trap of tattooing completely consuming your world. And then it's just your identity. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that over time will create imbalances in your life and that'll be felt your tattoo work as well. That'll be represented in some way. And I think the martial arts, SMR is really helping me 
build the structure of my body, build the structure of my mind. And that is effectively, that's helping me hold the space that I hold when I'm tattooing people. Yeah. And I think we're responsible for that structure and providing that container and being a pillar, I think, for people receiving, keen to hear more about the karate you're doing, actually. It's been enjoyable, but also extremely challenging too. Is it pretty heavy contact? There's different classes, right? So there's general training and conditioning where you're hitting pads and a bit of sparring and stuff. And those classes are great. Then there's a Carter class that Sensei calls it spirit training, where you're just going through forms and there isn't much contact. But then on the back of that class, they do Bogu and full contact with helmets and chest plates on. And all of the drills are full force contact into the pads. And that's great too, getting used to actually hitting and being hit. So it's all there, but the things that are testing me, it's around that. I'm seeing my own hesitations and my, okay, I'm not feeling fully as comfortable in this particular class. I'm like, all right, well, that's the class I need to focus on. I need to go there more. And it just highlights all the little tendencies where you default to comfort, you default to the thing that you already safe or it's like I was saying with the ink thing, the flashlight gets put on it and you're like, oh, am I going to go there? What's that require? So it's definitely stimulating the discipline side of things and wanting to put the work in. And then as a result, seeing it in all the other places, like it's making me look at my technical tattooing. I've been complacent for so long because I can do a good tattoo, sure, but also removing myself from studio environments. I'm just working by myself for such a long time. I'm also not holding myself against any other work as a standard. And that's been really freeing and allowing the actual work I'm doing on people not to be so tight and bound and critiqued, which is great. But yeah, I'm just like the karate and the thing that's bringing up has put a spotlight back on, on that practice. That's where the, the reciprocity has come in. I'm like, okay, cool. Where can I bring the, the refinement back in? What are the things I'm avoiding? doing because it's not comfortable or so it's been really beautiful in that way early days on the journey but you know not a black belt not a master it definitely humbles the ego early days of starting Mm. a martial art i'm definitely finding the edges of my ego and how i want to get things right and i want to do things perfectly and i'm finding it very humbling and yeah, quite confronting, especially with SMR. It's the training is based around you have a sword and your opponent has a sword, and it's about who can kill each other the quickest. It's a single head strike scenario. So it's very high focused, I would say. And the nuances of your coordination make a huge difference. And mm. so I'm noticing. It's been a good reflection and I've looked at all the other areas in my life where I've shied away from the challenge of being around mentors and being around people that can challenge me and demand more and demand better from me. I'm seeing that in more of a healthy light, which has been great. Yeah. So valuable. And we work so hard in the tattoo space to grow. And move out of that place, have some like independence and yeah, put yourself back in in a different context. 
and then allow it to feed back into the other areas of your life. It's so beneficial. I'm doing the karate with, with Mianna as well. But your sidekick, how's she going? It's tough for her too. She really enjoys it, but I can see the same emotional challenge there. And am I good enough? Am I good as the other kids? All of these things coming up for her, especially like homeschooling and not being in many environments where there is such a defined authority protocol and it's super healthy for her. I'm so glad she's doing it. Outside of actually having the martial art thing down pat, they run it that way for the kids too. So it's very effort-based, real character building and um, scenario. I thought that's great. I like it because it's, it's trickling out. It's more of a life. It becomes more of a lifestyle. You're learning not just how, not just that singular art form, but you're learning how you're learning your culture. In a way. Yeah. 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 I think I a lot think of the martial arts are like that. They appreciate that. Yeah. They've got the multiple mm. layers too. It's like you're learning karate, but it's like a triple quantendra. There's the physical, mm. there's the mental, mental karate and the spiritual. I don't want to be talking about And it's about developing it like, you in ways, it's developing you in ways you don't even know, right? Yeah. I know you've had a bit of a, like a back and forth with this aspect of tattooing and had a few people ask me about it recently that are in earlier days of it. And it's the money thing, like what should I be charging? And then trying to like mm. discount myself and then people don't value it. And then how do I get clients? Any feedback you have for navigating the financial side in the early days? I know for me, I'll start out by saying when I was an apprentice. I was studying at uni and I was apprenticing the days that I wasn't at uni and I was broke as a joke, mate. I was getting paid nothing. The only reason I could even like really spend the days at the studio that I did was because one of the artists there would buy me a chicken sandwich every day. Like as like my payments of breaking his station down and setting up for him and stuff. And, and I had a partner at the time, so it wasn't like having to rent between a partner's place and my folks. And then getting into a studio, I was never booked out crazy and never had a stable income. And it was very much just like having to make ends meet for a long time. And I see lots of different layers in it. The main one being like just your ability. Your ability is a huge factor in whether you're going to make any money or not tattooing for, for ages. Even though there's a lot of anti-art these days, it's a new thing. You can get paid to scribble on someone. So <laughs> I don't know if ability does come in actually. Yeah, your ability can vary, I guess. It can just be a total technical ability without any creative ability, or it could be the opposite. It's a sliding scale, something that I've navigated for sure. I think negotiating your price as your ability pieces, that's a pretty obvious one, but I'm not trying to skip any stages, skip any steps of your development. For me, like tattooing was the one thing that I would do. So I asked myself one day and said, if I won, I think it was a million dollars. Now after the inflation, it probably would have been 10, but it's, if I win a million dollars, what would I still go and do tomorrow? If I was doing some sort of work, what would it be? And it was tattooing. That was the question I asked myself and that was a driving force. But I must say along the way. There's times, obviously the world we're living in, money is an important tool basically to trade. And so there's times where I've been influenced by the money 
and there's times that I haven't at all. And I've just seen, so, you know, if that person can only afford a hundred dollars, that's fine. Or I've been more flexible and say it almost comes back, you know, and I tend to look at things in a holistic way. It's like position yourself and live, live in a way where all your needs are met as much as possible without you being too reliant on your income from tattooing. Try to create a balance, which is the way I see things now. And the other aspect of the ability and the price going up is also like, know your worth, know your worth. And we've talked about this before, but don't be scared to try and see if you are charging so much and then if you're charging a hundred dollars, think you're worth 150, take that action on that step and just talk to your clients and see how they feel and take on board their feedback and see, see what direction that takes you in because your clients will probably change. You have to sort of price in alignment how much you want to be tattooing what and, and how you want to be tattooing and what do you want to be tattooing? So there's lots of different. Yeah. I think as you change your price, all those things change in some way to some degree, but they don't have to, you can also be like very big stuff. This is how I want to tattoo. Like you can also not charge and you could just do a bartering system where you're trading with people. Very recently I've been thinking of. And I have been dropping my price again, just becoming much less attached to the money. I've really enjoyed just being more focused on the process of creating, yeah. of the process of working with my clients. And yeah, and there's times like I was in the floods a year and a half ago where I was like, shit, I've got no money. And so in that circumstance, I'd say it's probably okay to to lean on your community a bit more, whether that be putting your prices up, it's like you need to feel supported as well, as well as creating affordability for your clients. Yeah. It's important to be accessible. I think, I mean, on the barter thing, I've done it. I've been through so many different stages with the money thing from being broke to charging and then to not charging enough and then not valuing yourself type of thing, then to doing barter and not wanting to have money at all. And like all different stages. I've only ever done, I think, two trades that have actually been fair. And I've done a lot. I think most of the time it's like, and this probably does have a link with your own self-worth and stuff. Felt like I've been you know, the disadvantaged one in the trade or whatever. Like I said, it doesn't mean that people can't do it and work out a way to do it. And now I'm in a place where part of, and again, this is like, far down the track in seeing the outcome for people and extracting pieces of information from processes that seem to be a pattern. I think having enough value on the process that it's accessible, but it's not necessarily easy creates part of the psychological value of the process that they're putting themselves through as being important. If it's not important, you won't get yourself in a position to do it. So there's that layer too, that I think now I'm, I'm really aware of 
and, I, and I've even found places where it hasn't been completely out of my own choice and I've opened up into a space of like discounting, actually being damaging for things happening that, that wouldn't have happened. I'm like, oh, if I didn't drop, that buffer would have been there and that person wouldn't have had that process and then XYZ downstream wouldn't have eventuated and da 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 And so the value actually ends up being a, like a safety net as well, a bit of a buffer so that you can be doing things the way that you want to be doing them, like part of your container. There's a lot to, to that structure and setting that up. And then another one on money too, while I'm sharing and thinking of it all, is like in the past having people that I've tattooed and some like quite heavily that I didn't realize didn't even have the money. So they were in a position of borrowing money or doing things for money to get tattooed where again, if I knew that or like now, if I know that I'd be saying no. You're not ready to get the tattoo. And again, the correlation to life side of it, your life isn't correlating with what you want to be doing now. So don't force it. So there's that layer too. Yeah. You sort of moving too quickly almost, you know, if someone's in that position. And yeah. What's driving? Yeah. And they're sort of forfeiting what's in the driver's seat. And then, so on the artist side, it's not pushing people to get stuff done just so that you can get paid. Mm -hmm. For sure. Being understanding and I would say being an attunement to what's happening in your client's lives, getting curious and understanding what's happening. And once again, using your yes or your no's and knowing your values there. And it has to be ecological, like when we're talking about price and value and all those things, like it has to be, I think the main thing for me is like stepping back and going, it has to be ecological for everyone. And that's got me to the place I'm at where I'm tattling a bit less, but I'm, I'm charging what I believe I'm worth and what I'm, what's creating enough abundance for me to keep tattooing the way I'm tattooing. And that to me is important. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good to hear that, man, that you're in that spot going off prior conversations we've had and stuff, because it's, that's where I sit with it too. And I, I know internally, it's not a very easy place to get yourself to either. And it's like all of these different measures have to line up. It's a real balancing act of like, okay, I'm, my quality is good enough. I've, I've put in my time. I'm, I'm making sure that's all fine tuned. I'm doing the best I can do. And then I'm valuing all the parts of the process that I know are unique. We're talking about a very unique way of engaging with someone. We're actively listening to what's happening for them. And usually to reveal something they're not even fully aware of is part of their motivation and ends up becoming an asset to them in the tattoo. So that is worth something. And we don't want to overly identify with the tattoo thing or make it like, okay, I need to like break my back and put myself out just to get by. So yeah, yeah when you can find that sweet spot, which takes time and it should take time to get there, all those sorts of things, that, that's an achievement. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're there and, and I hope you can stay on that balancing point for a good amount of time, make some people happy and, and live your life, you know? Thanks. Yeah. And I appreciate your, your guidance over the years and these conversations that we, we have, and we all need those reminders and those questions, the challenging questions at times of our life so we can introspect or look at what we're doing and make changes so yeah thank you bro no yeah. worries thanks for your time on here man i think there's some great stuff 
So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I did, and I'm already planning to line up another one with Hayden, but I think that was a good introduction to him and what it is that he does if you want to see his work. Like I said, there's a link below to his Instagram. Check it out, reach out to him. Also, if you want to reach out to myself or have any discussion around this episode or prior episodes or make suggestions for future episodes, head to Facebook. There's a Tattoos with Intention podcast group there. There's already a fair few people in and we're having chats and it's good. I'm totally open to dialogue around what's being discussed in the episode. So please get in there. It definitely helps the ball roll. And at the end of the day, some of the things that I'm sharing and discussing in these podcasts, I'm a bit nervous about it. I know a lot of the conversations and the views that I hold and divulge in on here are like quite edgy and touchy in different ways, spicy. But I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be exploring those boundaries, those edges, and I encourage feedback so that we can continue to unpack the tattoo paradigm as the, the name suggests, the Tattoos with Intention podcast. My intention is to really uncover and explore fully what it is that we're participating in and what's real and what's true within the practice. So get in there, have your say, let's have a chat, let's keep it going. Also, I'll be putting more details up soon. A few people have been asking about it. I mentioned I'm gonna be giving an in-person presentation on intentional tattooing with a particular highlighted topic of tattoos and entities and navigating that spiritual reality. So yeah, that's going to be happening November 25th. I haven't put up a page to sell tickets to it or anything yet. Not really good at the sales thing, but I am going to do it and it will be high value and I do want to see everyone there. Just keep your eyes peeled for that. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll catch you in the next one.